0: Welcome to Running Up the Score. I am Alex Kennedy. Yesterday was the NBA trade deadline. Kind of anticlimactic, but we want to talk about everything that went down, what didn't go down, who better to help me do that than my good friend Michael Scotto from Hoop Type, uh, The first guest ever on this show and now making his return. Uh, I have to say, too, before we get into everything that went down yesterday and, and talking trade stuff, uh, Mike's one of the most respected and connected NBA insiders in the business. I've been at multiple different uh, events, NBA events, Summer League, G League Showcase, and I swear, every time you're hanging out with Mike, Every two minutes, someone comes up and wants to talk to him, is <laughs> dapping him up. So uh, I have to, I had to bring him on just because I feel like you're very tuned in, always talking to executives and agents and players. So let's help me make sense of what happened yesterday. Sure. On one hand, I kind of understand why we didn't see a ton of trades because we had so many big moves happen in the last few months. You had, mm-hmm. you know, the Siakam trade, OG trade, Harden trade. Even looking back to last offseason. Lillard, Beal, I mean, a lot of like the notable names that we would have been looking to get, you know, have get traded, it, it happened already. Um, if they had all happened yesterday, we'd be talking about this as a crazy deadline, but because they happened earlier, it was yeah. mostly role players that happened yesterday. Before we get into specific trades, what was your overall thoughts on the deadline as a whole?
1: Well, first off, I appreciate the kind words, Alex, and as far as the deadline overall, I would say it kind of went the way people thought it would. It, like you said, it wasn't going to be... The huge like superstar guys, you know, the only all star that maybe could have gotten moved was Dejounte Murray, and he didn't. I'm sure we'll talk about him specifically later, because um, he was a notable trade candidate. But overall, it pretty much went the way I thought. I think you're seeing how the play in is affecting some teams and 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 the way they're positioning themselves, whereas in years past. Uh, maybe more teams would have been more sellers. I think that was an issue too. You didn't see a lot of sellers this year, um, and and that uh, that actually included Washington as well. I think some thought that maybe they would sell a few more guys, and they had trade candidates in Kyle Kuzma. They had Tyus Jones, Talon Wright. Uh, you know, Daniel Gafford got traded, but uh, for the most part, I, I think the deadline went the way everybody thought it would.
0: I want to get to winners and losers in a second, but speaking of DeJounte, I think there was a lot of buzz in like the 24 to 48 hours before the deadline, you know, the Pelicans popped up and a number of teams started, you know, entering the, the DeJounte sweepstakes. And part of me felt like it was unlikely he was going to get traded just because they gave up so much to get him. So it's tough to turn around not too long after and trade him away. You're kind of comparing it to the haul that you already gave up. Um, but what kind of happened with that DeJounte situation? Why do you think he wasn't moved?
1: I mean, simply put, the Hawks weren't getting the two first-round picks that they wanted, and that's less than what they gave up originally for him when he was coming off an all-star season in San Antonio. And so for a lot of the chatter centered around three teams really before the Pelicans kind of came in there a little bit and expressed some interest, you know, obviously the Lakers were the number one team, and I had touched on this on Hoops Hype about uh, they were willing to offer D'Angelo Russell – Jalen hood Shafino and their 2029 first round pick. Now, what was interesting with hood Shafino was they were marketing him essentially as the second first round pick um, to kind of fill that quota for Atlanta. However, Atlanta took Kobe Bufkin before Jalen hood Shafino. So that was an issue. Number two, uh, D'Angelo Russell, Atlanta didn't want to take back and they didn't want to take him back in part. Two reasons. One, they didn't feel like he was an ideal fit next to Trey Young, certainly, who's their point guard. And two, that you look next season, he's got an out player option, which a lot of people think or at least projecting as of now that he will exercise. And so that would be more money on their books. And Atlanta's looking to shed some salary. If they, well, they tried to, I should say, and, you know, be away from the luxury tax. Now, with that said, they can wait until the offseason around the you know, more closer towards the draft and and over the summer to to achieve that objective. But uh, they weren't getting more than one first round pick, to my to my knowledge. Uh, you know, the other teams that were kicked around were the the Brooklyn Nets, the New York Knicks. Now the Brooklyn Nets had Spencer Dinwiddie's expiring contract, which, you know, would have appealed to Atlanta, but Uh, Only one first round pick and, you know, it was going to be protected, if anything. And so that didn't appeal. Uh, The Knicks, you know, they toyed with it more around the time that they were looking uh, to upgrade the roster and they ended up getting OG Ananobi. And then, you know, there were still some in in the front office that debated it if they can get them on a buy low cost, uh, which they ended up getting, in my opinion, a guy on a buy low. And and Boyan Bogdanovich will touch on later. Um, But. As far as uh, Dejounte, the Pelicans did have some interest, but it was a little like too late and complicated. I think um, not really the ideal parts that were needed to get something done of that magnitude. But I do think they're a team to keep an eye on down the line. And if it, if something were to go down there, I don't think it's just for Dejounte. I think you got to look at Aniyko Kongu or Clint Capella as a big man going back because Jonas Valanciunas is going to be an unrestricted free agent and. We have to see if New Orleans feels that it's going to be able to retain him uh, going forward.
0: I'm curious. Were there any other notable players that were being discussed, or like big name players that you know maybe could have been moved, but ultimately the, the deal didn't get done, or guys that maybe we should like focus on as the off season approaches? Because it feels like there's not a whole lot of situations. Again, I, I rattled off all the situations like Siakam, Dame, right. Beal. Those were always the star players or big name players that were being talked about, but now they've all been moved. Is who's kind of the, on trade watch next?
1: I mean, I would say. Kyle Kuzma was the name because he's got a great contract looking up that descends and declines in value. Um, he was sought after. And I think for the Wizards, uh, this is going to end up being a long-term rebuild. And while he is still valued there, um, anytime that you got a guy that's coveted by a number of teams, it could drive the price up and uh, make it worthwhile, but there's no rush for Washington to have to move him. I think that was the difference. Um and I always feel like a bigger trade of that magnitude, you know, with the exception of a new owner taking over in Phoenix and really wanting to make a splash and Kevin Durant, a lot of times you're going to see the huge star guys get traded over the summer. And sometimes uh, maybe early in the season, like we saw Harden because it's going to take time to acclimate those guys. So I'd say for that, I'd, I'd look at Kyle Kuzma down the line. And he was a guy that they had some offers for. They're just, Uh, then feel that it was enough at this point.
0: Yeah, I wrote an article for ESPN about All-Stars who've been traded midseason. And since 2010, only seven All-Stars have been traded. And three of them were the Brooklyn trio, Harden, Kyrie, Durant. And that was uh, an odd situation where, you know, they basically had to blow it up and guys were disgruntled. Um, So it is pretty rare. Um, Let's get to winners and losers. Uh, Let's start with winners. Um, You can give yours first. I have three and I'll I'll let you go first.
1: I have one clear winner, like, and it's not even close, the New York Knicks. Yeah, Like, I thought, I thought they might have arrested Leon Rose because he stole <laughs> Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. I mean, that was – you talked to executives around the league. That was the prevailing thought because Detroit had better offers last year. And I think Troy Weaver even touched on that um, in a presser today. But uh, to me, the Knicks getting Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy that could score 20 points a game and – is a knockdown shooter, Alec Burks, who Tom Thibodeau loves. uh, They have a great relationship and he plays defense, which is obviously important. They've been looking to fill that void for Emmanuel quickly. And I think that Alec Burks is a guy that's going to be able to do that. So to me, I just thought they were like, it was so clear to me that they won, that that's all I could even focus on. Like, as far as, well, when you say to me, who do I think is a winner? I, I thought they crushed it.
0: Yeah, they were my number one. I, I think by far the Knicks are the biggest winner. Um, I was surprised that they didn't get, you know, the Pistons didn't get more for Bogdanovich because we had heard his name in trade rumors for like two or three years now, uh, probably two mm-hmm. years. And the rumors, you know, there was always reports about their asking price and, you know, they really should have traded him last year to get the, be- you know, the best return. But for them to be able to, you know, basically get him for what they did and, and kind of sneak in there and get him and Burke, someone who's already familiar with, you know, uh, the system and everything there, yeah. they look really scary now going forward. I'm excited to see what they can do. You know, obviously OG's out right now, but once they're at full strength, this seems going to be a ton of fun. So I think they've really helped themselves. And even there are plenty of contenders that could have used bogey that, you know, I'm surprised they didn't get in there and try to beat that offer. But, um, maybe well, uh, you know what, really- Alex,
1: your point, if you're another team, That wanted him. I feel like you got to be scratching your head or kicking yourself saying, how did we not beat this offer?
0: It's crazy to me. I mean, unless Detroit is just, like, really high on Quentin Grimes or something, I don't I don't understand how you don't beat that offer, not only so you can get Bogey on your team, but also to prevent him from going to this New York team that now looks really deep and talented. Uh, yeah. Like, the Knicks look very, very scary right now, and I'm really excited to see what they can do in the postseason. The other teams that kind of stand out to me as winners, uh, the Phoenix Suns, I, I, I think given the limitations and kind of where they were at, they were, they really went all in on this trio and they were a luxury tax spender. So with the new CBA, they wouldn't really be able to go out there and add big names through the buyout market. Um, mm-hmm. you know, guys who are, you know, who are making, uh, above 12.4 million, the non-taxpayer mid-level, they were barred from being able to sign those guys. So, you know, if, if this was a, under the old CBA, maybe they just go out there and they try to sign a Marcus Morris or a Joe Harris. Guys like that, they get bought out. But that's not possible this year. So they went out and they were aggressive and they were able to bring in Royce O'Neal, David Roddy. I think they made their, their playoff rotation stronger. I, I think they improved their depth. So I like that move for them, uh, kind of all, all things considered. And then uh, I like what Dallas did, too. I think being able to go get Daniel Gafford and, and PJ Washington, uh, you know, I guess you could question what they gave up, but uh, I, I don't know.
1: That's where I was going to get to you on that, but I'll let you finish your point first.
0: I think I might be higher on Washington and Gafford than, than others, maybe. that's. I think Gafford, you know, he just turned 25. The athleticism's there. He still has untapped potential. Washington has played well. And I think that front court now looks better. And, and they improved their depth. I think both of those pieces fit really well. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you think about the return?
1: I mean, Gafford, I, I, I get the point there. I mean, obviously him and Derek Lively are going to be a two-headed center monster now. Um, a lot of people called on Derek Lively, but Dallas wasn't looking to move him. To me, though, with P.J. Washington, uh, it's not the contract. I, I'm not worried about that, and I do think he's going to play significant minutes. But to give up a top two protected first-round pick so far down the line. That is scary scared. Like when I looked at that, my eyebrows were raised and I thought, well, you're, you're obviously giving up on Grant Williams very early after just signing him to a four-year deal. Yeah. And that speaks to, well, well, would you, would you make the move in free agency for one and two? I'm, I just think like I was surprised with the compensate. I I really was just surprised by the compensation aspect. Like I thought, I know that Charlotte was trying to get a first, but my understanding was like, like Rashawn Holmes was in that talk first. And then that didn't work and he got moved elsewhere. But um, to make it only top two protected for PJ, I thought it would have been like, I don't know, top 10, maybe even lottery protected. And that's what really surprised me. But obviously, um, they're going all in to try to be better this year. And, you know, like, quietly, you want to get the most out of this team while you got Luka Doncic under this contract. And we've seen, Alex, even though a guy is locked in long term, it doesn't mean anything. It takes one right. second to have a trade demand leaked yeah. and totally turn things upside down. So they want to win and be competitive Um, I just thought if anything, maybe they'd even wait until the summer when they'd have more picks at their disposal, including that pick to really make a splash. And that wasn't the course they went.
0: That's fair. I do wonder how much of it is. There was the reports, I think, last offseason that they were worried about Luka and, and him being disgruntled or, or becoming disgruntled and kind of putting pressure on the franchise to go make moves. So I think that probably factored in a bit as well. Um, I'm curious, who were your biggest losers? Uh, I'll start with mine. I don't understand what the Bulls are doing. Um I thought they were going to be a seller. And I think if you were a team like the Bulls that had multiple veteran pieces that you could have given up, this was the year to kind of step up and sell because there were so few sellers out there. So a guy mm-hmm. like Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, um, obviously, like, I, don't, I think Vooch... The, his name wasn't really out there a ton, but they could have moved him. Um, they had a number of pieces that they could have made available. And yeah. I think we've all seen enough of the Chicago experiment to understand that it's failed. Like they're not going to uh, be a, a team that goes like on a deep playoff run, much less contend for a championship.
1: Once Lonzo got hurt, I mean, that really, yeah. to me, like it was such an unfortunate thing because with him, they were like arguably a top four team, And this is years ago, yeah. but they were arguably a top four team and now it's like, you don't know if Lonzo's going to play again, let alone if he's ever going to reach that level. So to me, you're fighting a deficit. And, you know, they've tried to add a point guard to kind of make it work. Now, Kobe White's come in and played well for yeah. them. and even but, but here's the thing, Alex, I think to your point, even with Kobe White playing well at that position, that's kind of been underwhelming for them. It's still not generating great results. And so at that point, you know, clearly like this unwillingness to sell that, you know, why, why is that? Because we've seen in years past, you know, you're down in, uh, in the Florida area and, and years ago, the Orlando magic did exactly what you suggested. And they got rid of Vooch, they got rid of Aaron Gordon, they got rid of Evan Fournier and they rebuilt And management, sold it on ownership. They got extensions and then the rebuild picked up and got steamed. They're doing better now. And they got an extension position. again. And yep. so I almost wondered if that would I, – I, logically, I've always thought that should be the move for Chicago. But there just seems to be this stance of not going that way and rebuilding. I don't think Chicago has the appetite for that after they went through it for a few years. And, you know, whether that's ownership-driven or not, I don't know. Right. But, but ultimately, DeMar DeRozan, really good player, not getting any younger. Vooch, same thing, not really good player, not getting not getting younger. And so it's like you're kind of stuck in this middle ground and it's not where you really want to be in the NBA right now. So they they've got to figure it out, I think, over the summer, sooner or later, because right now you're looking at the play in at best.
0: Right, I think the ceiling for this team is a play-in team. And I don't fault them for the Zach Levine situation. I mean, you could blame them for the contract that was given, but, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. I I understand that the market for Levine isn't really there. And then, obviously, he has a season injury on top of it. And so, you know... I don't blame them for not trading Levine, but there's other pieces on that roster that were appealing. Even like Andre Drummond, there was a lot of rumors about Philly and other teams looking at Drummond. You know, there was like four players on that team that they could have sold and gotten back young players picks. I, I think the Orlando comparison is really a good interesting. Point. I forgot about,
1: I forgot yeah. about Drummond in a sense of like, when you're talking about all these top guys and then you mention him, he, he could have, there were teams that made offers. I, I know that. Yeah. And they passed on him. And it's like, is he going to be brought back next year? Like, what? I I don't know. I don't know. It just
0: feels like they're fine being a play-in team. And you're right. There's always more behind the scenes and like more factors that we don't maybe know fully. Like maybe this is ownership driven. Maybe uh, I think part of it too is their asking prices were so high. There was a report, and I forget who reported it, um, but that the Bulls wanted like an OG level offer for Caruso and they wanted multiple first round picks for Caruso. And if that's true, that's crazy to me because he's 31 years old. And part of the appeal with OG, obviously, you can compare their perimeter defense, but. OG yeah. is so much younger and has way more untapped potential. And the thought is he can expand and, you know, play a bigger role in New York. Whereas Caruso, he's going to be a role player and like a defensive specialist wherever he goes. And he's almost three two years old. So like I just if I'm the Bulls, I would have blown it up and I would have traded yeah. off a number of those guys and got back picks. And, and like you said, kind of position yourself for the future rather than being stuck in the middle of the pack.
1: The bigger the bigger thing I'd say, Alex, is the market has shifted back to normal. And what I mean by that is Rudy Gobert completely threw the market out of whack. Completely. And now the market, I feel like it has reset. And when you talk to other executives, they would agree. And I think that's why, uh, for example, DeJounte didn't get two first-round picks. Neither did Alex Caruso. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith was another guy that was talked about. You know, he didn't move. And so, yeah, the role guys for multiple seconds you can do. But it's the starting caliber guys – or those sixth man type guys, the days of I feel like the markets corrected itself again, and where it's, it's you're not overpaying for those guys, and draft picks are now more important, especially with the new CBA, the apron rules, and the buyout rules, as you touched on earlier.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. The CBA definitely has an impact as well. Um, the only other loser I can think of just like NBA fans in general, because we didn't get a ton of fireworks and big trades like, you know, there are some deadlines that you see yeah. a lot of big trades and everyone's excited and Twitter's, you know, a buzz. This felt like pretty anticlimactic and kind of a bummer. But again, we've had some-
1: earlier on, like you said
0: Yeah, even like a Terry Rozier trade. That happened in late January. Um, There were a number of other trades. Marvin Bagley. I'm thinking of like there were a number of trades that happened earlier in the season. So it it led to the deadline being a bit of a dud. Um, But yeah, those were my losers. Is there another loser that kind of stands out to you?
1: Yeah, I thought the Detroit Pistons because I I just thought, and I say that because of the boy on Bogdanovich factor. I was shocked that they weren't getting a first round pick of any kind with him in there. Cause they did have offers last year for that and more um, whether it was a first and two seconds or a heavily protected or, or two first with the second one being heavily protected that probably would have converted to multiple seconds, but it didn't happen. and And, and they waited too long and now you saw the return they got back and, um, they've, they've obviously got a lot to figure out. I mean, they're selling obviously the young guys, Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, uh, you know, and, and the hiring of Monty Williams as, you know, well, we got a coach, but it, it really hasn't translated this year, respectfully. Yeah, I think that's really fair.
0: Um, and so we and last about... thing, Alex,
1: they cut yep. a lot of players, and I believe it added up to about $40 million, if not more. Like, yeah. when they're waving guys, you know, obviously Joe Harris was one of them. But you look at the total sum, and it's a lot of money.
0: That's true. Yeah. What did you make of guys like Killian Hayes and James Booknight getting waived? I mean, I think it's a testament to how they've kind of struggled, the fact that yeah. they couldn't get anything back. But what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I mean, I Memphis was in trade talks with Detroit, but they didn't want to give up any, like, real – second round draft compensation and they turned out to be right. He, he, he didn't go anywhere. And, um, you know, now for Killian, uh, I do think he needs a fresh start. He needs a chance where he can play. I do think he'll get picked up eventually. There's there's some teams are going to see a kid that can pass the ball and defend. And, if, and it's always like, well, if he works on his shot and he gets his shot improved, then you got a really good, uh, nice player there. Um, But that's a that's a big if. And he knows that he needs to work on it as well. As far as James Booknight goes, um, you know, I'm not sure what the future holds for James. Obviously, uh, Charlotte had high hopes, but uh, it wasn't the right fit. And I I really don't know what his market's going to look like going forward. Um, You know, for James, he's going to really have to get into a situation where he can uh, get a chance to play. And I I don't know where that is right now. You know, you'd have to go to a, a lottery type team and something of that sort. But out of the two, I would expect Killian to get picked up first.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, they're both so young that I could see a team talking themselves into, like, okay, well, they still have a lot of untapped potential you know, maybe you tell yourself they were kind of in bad situations. So mm-hmm. maybe a lot of teams I've heard like executives be like, "Well, in our situation, we can get the most out of this guy." You know, right. we have the right veterans, or coaches, or leaders, or resources to kind of help this guy kind of figure it out. So yep. yeah, I mean, it, it sucks for both of those guys, obviously, but I agree. I think Killian's going to be probably more highly coveted than than James. Um, I'm curious. Uh, before we get into breaking down some of the specific trades, when you look at the buyout market, um, again first year with the new buyout rules it's a little bit different um for people we kind of talked touched on it earlier the suns have two open roster spots so they could be active in the buyout market but again they can't go after the spencer dinwiddie's marcus morris's joe harris's because those guys were making too much previously uh the bucks celtics clippers heat nuggets and warriors are in the same boat um what are your thoughts on kind of what we'll see on the buyout market uh maybe some players that could pop up
1: Sure. I mean, right now, Alex, first guy I'm looking at is Spencer Dimwitty. I'm looking at him to pick between the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers for where he would go next. Um, Obviously, he played well with Dallas when he was there. Uh, So there's some familiarity there. And he was recently at Dallas's game at Madison Square Garden in the stands, which I thought was interesting timing. (laughs) And um, as far as the rest of the market, I mean, I do think the Suns are going to look for a front court piece. Who they get, I'm not sure yet. But given the trades and and, and you know, the losses of Uta Watanabe, uh, Chimezi Metu out of the rotation and the trades that they did, uh, I could see them making another front court move. And you know, usually front court guys aren't as expensive, especially centers on the buyout market uh, or even like a four. Um, so I would look there. I do think Danilo Gallinari is going to be a, a very coveted player as well for his shooting. Um, at the stretch four and he's played a little bit of even small ball five as well. Um, You know, could a team talk themselves into Joe Harris? I saw Casey Johnson of uh, NBC sports, Chicago talk about him maybe as a possible candidate. I thought that was interesting. Uh, You know, because Chicago could use shooting um, and and Joe has provided that over his career, but uh, you know, he had a limited role in Detroit on a rebuilding team. And so, Joe's a great locker room guy. I do expect him to get some interest in a team to see if they can uh, take a shot on squeezing some more out of him and and his shooting. Um, Other than that, I'm trying. I mean, I'm sure there's others. I'm just like been a whirlwind. I mean, Kyle Lowry
0: is going to hit the market.
1: Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, She's. Yes, Kyle. I do. Um, Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Philly. Um, That's been something that's you know somewhat been in the back of his mind i would say for years even from when he played in toronto and uh you know they could they could certainly use the help now we saw them get buddy healed and i think for them they realize that they've got to try to hold down this fort while joe ellen is out hoping that he can come back and still salvage this year um and and They've been lacking a little bit of scoring, obviously, without Joel. So they figure, all right, let's go get Buddy Heald. He's got a year on his deal. It doesn't tie into the cap space that they have going forward. And you take a shot. Uh, Again, a guy that didn't get a first-round pick back, so it was a worthwhile thing to move a a bunch of seconds for him and kind of go from there. But, yeah, certainly Philly's been talked about at nauseum for Kyle Lowry. Yeah, I feel like –
0: Lowry to Philly makes sense. And I feel like Heald made a lot of sense for Philly, too, just in terms of, you know, they needed shooting, spacing... I mean, they're hoping B can come back, and I think he fits well uh, You know, when they're at full strength. One trade we haven't talked about, uh, Gordon Hayward to OKC. Um, yeah. You know, there were some rumors about a Hayward buyout maybe. There was talks about, you know, maybe him going back to Indiana. Uh, w- obviously, OKC is, I think, the second youngest team in the NBA, so getting mm-hmm. a-, a veteran who can come in and help, not only on the floor but also in the locker room, off the floor, I, I understand that thinking. And for what they gave up, it feels like a nice flyer. I mean, his issue has been injuries. Obviously he hasn't played, you know, more than 50 games in each of the last four seasons. So he's missed time significantly or no consistently. Uh, what were your thoughts on Hayward to OKC?
1: Honestly, I was a little surprised because he's like the old man in the room. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they're a pretty young team. And, um, I don't know if that was like the position I thought that they would go given the depth that they had, but, I think it's also a shot for them to have a guy who's been experienced, been in playoff situations and a a good locker room guy that, um, you know, they could take a chance on big picture. I'm curious if he's a guy that they bring back next year and depending on what that number is, do you then maybe look at him as a future trade candidate? And again, I'm thinking way down the line, way down the line, but Sam Presti has so many, assets in his treasure chest and i just wonder in the offseason if eventually this will be one of them or not but for now you take a flyer on a guy uh with proven playoff experience and and we'll see what he can do but he's a good guy to add to the locker room for okc so they thought it was a worthwhile venture and they've got uh so many draft picks that their you know cupboard is overflowing so i don't think they really cared about that
0: i feel like one team that everyone was talking about. I mean, we we always talk about this team, but the Lakers, uh, sure. there were people wondering, you know, were they going to move D'Angelo Russell? Uh, would they try to make a play for a DeJounte Murray? It felt like they were being attached to a ton of different names, which is yeah. always kind of the case. But why do you think the Lakers st- uh, stood pat? And what do you kind of see going for, you know, what do
1: you see this team doing going forward? Sure, Alex, I think a couple things. One. Uh, With DeJounte, they couldn't get that done. That's what they wanted to do. That was their number one target. Bruce Brown was number two. However, for Bruce Brown, they would have gave up that twenty twenty nine pick. Bruce Brown, within the Lakers, I don't think they thought Bruce Brown was the difference maker for them getting to a championship this year. And so bigger picture, again, in the summer, when they have more draft picks available in the future to move, and they're going to look to do that to get another star caliber player there, It wasn't worth it at this point. And I'm sure Laker fans don't want to hear that, you know, but ultimately for the Lakers big picture, if you really want to put yourself in that championship conversation, it's about who's that other star guy that you can bring in, at least in in their mind. And, you know, they've been linked to a bunch of people. They always are. They always will be because they are the Los Angeles Lakers. So uh, bigger picture it makes sense. And also, you know, I'm sure they wanted some clarity on LeBron's future. And uh that wasn't going to happen at this point. And I'm sure LeBron wanted them to make a splash or do something. And that didn't happen either. And ultimately, we'll see where it goes down the line. But uh I, I will say Anthony Davis has played really well this year. And I think he's gone yeah. I think it's gone a little underrated. And I and I think recently he's gotten this rap as like, you know, a guy that's always injured and in this and that. He's been playing through injuries. And I, I I just think there's something that should be noted. I think that too many people haven't thought about that recently.
0: No, that's fair. Um, you mentioned the Magic are in my backyard. I live right yeah. outside of Orlando. So I'm curious. Um, there were a lot of talk, you know, there was a lot of uh, rumors about uh, would the Magic try to go after a Tyus Jones or try to upgrade at, you know, point guard Markel Fultz, I think, after they drafted Anthony Black uh, and extended Cole Anthony. There's been, people wondering, you know, is he the odd man out? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he's played well at times, but obviously he's had injury issues and things like that. Um, And then they've had two guys that really, uh, I think Jalen Suggs has really played well this year and went from being a guy that was kind of on the bubble to now, you know, is close to untouchable, uh, or at least it would take a whole lot to get him, I would argue, uh, just because I think they kind of view him as like the heart and soul of that defense and they, they love what he's shown. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe untouchable is a strong word, but uh, it would take a lot for them to part with him. And then lately, Jonathan Isaac's playing really, really well coming off the injury. And he's obviously played well, you know, throughout his career. It's just been the injuries that have really limited him. And, you know, can he kind of get back to being a guy that can play? you know, 30 Mm -hmm. minutes and play back to backs and stay healthy for a long period of time. What do you uh, think of the magic, not making a move? And we kind of talked about it earlier. They're, they're positioned really nicely going forward with this young core. Um, Do you think eventually we'll see them try to make a splash or what are your thoughts on kind of where they're doing?
1: Yeah. Big picture. I'm looking towards it this summer for the magic to be in the mix, whether it's free agency trades, because they're going to have a really good handle on what their core is with, Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner and the guys around them. They're gonna have enough time to decide who works, who doesn't. I do expect them to be more aggressive. They've 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 been patient for a while and it's been a prudent approach. Now it's time to to go add to that core and, and take that next step. Because right now you're looking at them as a playoff team. Okay. Or at least uh, at least i like very worst, a play in team. But yeah. you know, they have a shot to be a top six team if they um can get back to the way they we playing at the beginning of the year so for me that's kind of what i'm looking at some are they got to be more aggressive and make some move whether it's in free agency or or a trade and i think that that i'd like to think that's common i know a lot of people around the league certainly uh see it coming but they also to to the beat of their own drum so we'll <laughs> say
0: talking to a lot of, like magic writers i think the the perception or the thought process is, let's make the playoffs, see what happens happens in the series, get our young guys some experience, but then really that will kind of tell us what we need to do and you know, expose some weaknesses and we can kind of go from there. I don't think there's any question. they need to add shooting um, and spacing just because this team, not only do they not uh, shoot the ball very well, they don't attempt very many threes, so that's right. going to be something they try to address, I'm sure, going forward. Uh, but last question for you. I saw I believe it was The Ringer uh, and Kevin O'Connor wrote Uh, about Trey Young and whether we could see the the Hawks look to move Young instead of DeJounte going forward. I think he mentioned Orlando, San Antonio, Brooklyn. Like, there's teams you can kind of talk yourself into. Like, okay, they have the picks or the assets to get it done. They have a need at that position. There's a number of teams that, you know, you could see putting together kind of like a big offer for a Trey Young. Um, When Sam Amick was on i think it was two months ago he had said that the new front office and everyone there was really committed to, to trey and didn't want to move him okay. what are your thoughts on kind of the young situation and like could we see him be available at some point or do you think he's kind of there to stay
1: as of now right after the trade deadline i think that's more speculation than reality as of now um but it's something that It's a plausible, speculative suggestion that could make sense. But I haven't heard it to this point yet. I I'm not ruling it out completely. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I haven't heard it yet.
0: Well, a lot can change between now and the end of the season. So we shall see. But, you know, DeJounte staying uh, through the trade deadline, I'm sure in the offseason, those kind of things will start bubbling up again. Like, okay, well, who do they move? Is it, does it All make this sense trade deadline
1: did, Alex, was set up what okay? You now have a barometer of what it's going to look like in the off season. That was the biggest takeaway I got from the deadline.
0: Yeah, it's, I think it's all right. about
1: six months from now, maybe not. However many months it is towards <laughs> um, the off season, and who's looking at who, and you have your barometer and your early um, footnotes, cliff notes, whatever you want to call them.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely sets up uh, the offseason to be pretty interesting. And uh, we shall see what happens. Thank you always for joining me. I appreciate it. Uh, It's always fun chatting rumors and trades with you. Appreciate you.
1: You got it, brother. Anytime.
0: Everyone, make sure you're following Michael Scotto at Mike A. Scotto, as I mentioned, super connected, does a great job, not only with articles and everything for for Hoopsite, but also he's a must-follow on Twitter. Uh, Breaking news left and right, tons of rumors. Right before the deadline, I loved your notebook, by the way, where you went through literally every single team and broke down kind of what they were looking to do and different things you were hearing. So if you're not following Mike already, you absolutely should be. And if you guys want to hear more episodes of Running Up the Score, check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for watching.